0: You may be well, Good morning. We are continuing in, uh, in the book of Matthew, and the Sermon on the Mountain. And for those that are guests here, we have been... Uh, how long have we been doing this, Ben? About... Four years? <laughs> Got a couple months, and it's uh, quite uh, challenging. I think it is... Uh, also, it's one of those things that on the outside looks kind of bitter, but it's sweet when you really get to the, the depth of it and get into what God is really implying and what he is doing. He's given us some secrets, and it kind of reminds me of Proverbs 25, verse 2, where it says, it's the glory of God to conceal matters. And the word matter is simply uh, a thing, uh, something revealed from God, and so it's his glory, it's his weight, it's his honor to conceal something. But then it says, but it's the glory of a high position, men and women, that basically is you and I that come to faith, to search out a matter. And uh, if if you have not found this out by now uh, in the scriptures, uh, everything just taken just for face value uh, can be very confusing. Uh, And if you don't look somehow down underneath the surface and try to go ahead and look deep enough, uh, to see it is amazing when you get to search out of matter and the revelation of God's life it get, comes out. It's, it's refreshing. Uh, a, a warning, whenever you seek something and God's uh, revelation comes out, he's usually going to be speaking to you, not your neighbor. Uh, I, I always, when I study these, I, I say, God, this is going to be so cool. I think the church could really hear this. God has never really given me that. It's always says, I think you should hear this. And uh, let them eavesdrop if they want to when you talk about it. So uh, we are going to look now at Matthew chapter five, uh, chapter five, verse thirty-eight. It says, "You have heard that it was said, 'An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth.' But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to, your, to him your other one. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt." Let him have your coat also. Whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and don't return and don't turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Well, don't everybody leave immediately for this. This is uh, tough. And I know that uh, everybody here is in a different situation. Maybe even today you're in a different spot And so there are some really difficult passages here, especially in the circumstances that you might be in. You may be in situations where people are wrongfully uh, abusing you, uh, and or maybe you're in a situation where you were taken to court falsely. Uh, Maybe you've been in a situation where you were wronged by an insurance company when you've been paying insurance all this time, and then they don't cover anything for you. And so, in these situations, you're saying, well, what, what do you mean? I'm supposed to turn the other cheek and, uh, and give back to the insurance company more money? Uh, what am I to do? You see, these are not easy things to look at. And so, we'd be foolish not to go ahead and to look and search out a matter, to go deeper than what just it looks like on the outside. There is a, a few ways and through hints in studying Scripture that I think are important. When I was studying, uh, kind of in my studies of how to come to know the Lord and study His Word, there were some things called axioms. Axioms they give of, these are different truths that you need to know in interpreting Scripture. And one of my favorite axioms in the Scriptures was an axiom that says, let Scripture interpret Scripture. So, when you come across a verse that looks inconsistent, it doesn't look uh, really clear, well, rather than go to your own wisdom, go and find in other places in Scripture where things are going to help interpret that for you. That's the wisest way to not make mistakes in interpreting Scripture. In doing so, it's also wise that you go ahead and, as you begin to do that, seek counsel from people that somehow know the Scriptures that you respect not only in their study, but you look at their life. And that's why in Galatians 6, when it talks about choosing mature men or mature women, they're people that you've observed their life, and it seems they seem to live out and mirror that which the Scriptures are talking about. So I find it uh, really difficult sometimes when people go ahead and they're going to come to you with their interpretation of Scripture, and they've never sought out uh, anybody, and they've never really taken other Scripture to interpret it. So let's try today to not make that mistake in a very difficult passage. Uh, There is a couple things I think are important for us. See, if if the the desire to retaliate and and the desire for revenge is just woven into the flesh of mankind. If you have children and grandchildren, you spot it right away. Uh, I don't know how often it was with my kids and how often it is with my grandkids where all of a sudden one comes up crying the other one's chasing behind me. And I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. And he says, he hit me. He hit me first. I said, my hand. Then why did you use your bat to hit him back? And so there's always something that uh, is going on with kids. And there are, you know, I didn't mean to. There are always these things. And we look at kids But I have to tell you something about what I've observed from kids is kids' revenge and kids' anger is short-lived. Here's the danger with adults. When I've watched the bitterness and the revenge and the retaliation of adults, they plot evil. They let it burn and simmer inside them, and they begin to plot to get even with somebody. It might be a week, a month, a year, but they're going to get even. It's kind of like the bumper sticker that says, "Uh, I don't get mad, I just get even. But their view of even isn't even. Their view of even is I want you to hurt way worse than you hurt me. And so you have to see that this was the mindset uh, and what actually happened back in biblical days when they gave this law, uh, and they call it the law of lex talionis, and it means measure for measure. And the measure for measure, the purpose of the measure for measure was written back here so that, so that uh, man in his evil heart would not, uh, would not take it way further than what even was, or measure for measure. And so the primary legal system said God gave concession, a legal regulation, as a dam against the river of violence that flows from men's evil hearts. I love that wording, a dam the, uh, that it says, a dam against the river of violence. And people always take it too far because we cannot see accurately. We can't see properly. We, we look at it and we, we actually, I don't think sometimes we're really out to lie. I think it's just the way we've been hurt, we see things so differently than what they ought to. Even the Apostle Paul, as godly man as he was, he said, I I count it as a small thing to be examined by human beings, because I know even when I examine myself, I'm not accurate. But there is one that examines us and brings about the true motives of a man's heart, and that is God. So it, back in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 19, let me read you this. It says, you shall, uh, A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or pain or sin which he has committed, on the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. If a malicious witness rises up against a man to accuse him of wrongdoing, then both the men who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, who will be in an office in those days. And the judge shall investigate thoroughly. And if the witness is a false witness and he has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him just as he intended to do to his brother." Thus shall you purge this evil from among you. And the rest will hear this, be afraid, and will never do it again, such an evil thing among you. Thus shall you not show pity, a life for life, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, and a foot for foot. So you see, what was happening is people back in that day were not letting wise people judge for them. They... Realized that if you had wise people they might judge fairly and the whole object was to do what was fair if you lost a hand they lost a hand you didn't lose two hands and so they were to go before the courts and this was and is what our courts try to do today it's a good law jesus wasn't going away with this law he wasn't saying you heard it said an eye for an eye bad idea he was saying no good idea For the justice and the the judicial and the church situation, this is a great idea and still is a good idea. As we will see, as we let Scripture interpret Scripture, when there is some violation that we need to call in official uh, judges or somehow bring to court, we then are supposed to submit unto those decisions that are made. That's why it says in Romans 13 that you're to submit to every institution that is over you. Knowing this, that every institution that is over you has been placed over you by God. Therefore, you do not resist this institution or else you find yourself resisting God. Again, in uh, First Peter, it talks about that there is a government that's been placed over you. You honor the government by submitting to it and the decisions that the government makes. It even says that if you're under the authority of a church gathering and a church council, a church elders, and you go ahead and something needs to be brought before them, you submit to whatever they would come away with with that decision. That is still in practice. Jesus was not doing away with that at all. But that practice is not to be applied to personal offenses. He's talking here about personal offenses. Your own cheek. By the way, he doesn't say, turn somebody else's cheek. It's your own. So, as we look at this, uh, it's important that we understand this was the purpose and this is why he brought this up. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which easily can influence and dribble over into those that were God's people, which I find here in our lives today. It is amazing how much when we tangle ourselves up with the thinking and the reasoning of a world that does not hold God and His Word as authority, it's easy for us to slip right into the mindset that they have. And, and we'll end up finding ourselves doing the same thing. So the Word here is not just for them, the Word is for us. It's for us and it's very, very practical. A guy that had impact in my life, his name is Martin Lloyd-Jones, he wrote this. He said, the legislation was for them, not for the private individuals. It was for the judicial, as in the law, as ours at this moment. The law is carried out by the magistrate or the judge, by the one who is appointed in the nation to do this. That was the principle. It is a true picture of the Mosaic legislation itself. Its main object was to introduce this element of justice and of righteousness into a chaotic condition and to take from man the tendency to take the law into his own hands and to do anything he likes. This is precisely the problem Jesus addresses. It is helpful to recall that when Jesus says, you have heard it was said, he's appealing not only to the law itself, but to the common instruction and practice of the scribes and the Pharisees. And so here we are now picking it up here where Jesus is introducing something that goes deeper than this. Uh, If you have heard one sermon here in the last two months, you've heard this said every single sermon, Jesus is once again making this a heart issue. It's about your heart and my heart. He was talking to them about their hearts. It wasn't about the outer appearance of what this might look like. He was saying, we have a new heart that's been placed in you if you've come to faith. It is a heart that's made after the image of God with all of the fruits of God. And so, therefore, it ought to look like the heart of God. And it ought to act like the heart of God, even in situations where you're treated and mistreated. Which you're going to see Christ on the cross. How did he respond? Christ before the cross. How did he respond? And you're going to say, well, that's impossible. We can't do that. You're right. You can't do that. Only God can do that. He's the only one that has responded, and yet he has made invitation for you to let him respond with you in this way in all the different ways that you get hurt. And with this, he brought in a whole new thing, and he elevated forgiveness at this point. You mean not revenge? Forgiveness instead of Revenge. Oh, come on. We're going to be a wimp. Well, I can tell you one thing firsthand. It's way more difficult to extend forgiveness than it is to retaliate with revenge. Way easier. And you're going to see that in the process of this whole thing we're going to look at, I'm going to give you a little bit of a nugget because I don't want you to miss the nugget because I'm going to end with the nugget. Okay. This whole... Truth and all the truths that he's revealing in all these different situations from anger to divorce to lust to, uh, to taking advantage of, to taken to court, of people wanting to borrow money from you, to what you do with your money. He's saying it doesn't matter what's on the plate, we're talking about something that the other world and the angels long to look into, see what is this mystery of this gospel, which is the very life of Christ inside mankind. And if you can go ahead and grasp it, this is going to pick up from that truth. So if you came here to get the answer to, what do you do when somebody's mistreating you or slapping you on the face? And I'm I'm not talking physically at this point, although that can happen. You can get slapped on the face by slander, you can get slapped on the face by people belittling you. People can hurt your emotions. And, you know, that's what we get the phrase. That's a slap in the face. But as you begin to look at this and say, okay, what is this about? There is no formula. And if you had your pencil and paper and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to write out because I'm in a situation right now. I'm going to write down what to do when this. I've got news for you. You don't know until that moment. In that hour, in that revelation of God's whispering voice into your ear, it is going to demand you, as everything we've talked about, you to have an intimate relationship with God by yourself. Ben and Nick and I can sit up here and tell you these things, and I think we can kind of put a boundary not to go in and out of, but if we ever replace somehow your own union and intimacy with God, we're not doing our job. Everything here is forcing you and I to be intimate with God. By the way, it's where you belong. It's where you're going to find everything you're looking for. The intimacy and the union with God, it's like, this is life. This is what I've been looking for and all of these things. So this, again, is the nugget. There is no simple answer. If not, follow Jesus' example. And I know you'll say, oh, okay, here's what he did. They turned over the tables. Yes, he did. And in the same situation, the next time, he never answered a word. And then the one time he spoke and all the warriors fell on their face. The next time when they said, don't you have anything to say about yourself? He said nothing. And a time where he went ahead and hung on the cross, and it said he hung on the cross looking for those that would come to him. That's us. And 144 legions of angels pulled out their swords to strike him down, waited for his word to say, they have mistreated you. Go for it. He answered nothing because he looked at what he was doing with us. He didn't know what he was going to do from one moment to the next. That's why he says, I decide as I am bidden to decide. I do that which my father just told me what to do. I say what my father just told me what to say. In your given situation... You are going to have to have union with God to find out what is it that you're wanting me to do. What is this going to look like? All he's doing here is giving you some pictures of what this could look like. Somebody, you're you're sued uh, or maybe you're in a, in a divorce claim and the divorce doesn't come out in your favor. So now you're asked to give all of this money that you felt was wrongfully given because you didn't wrongfully get out of the divorce. You're the one that got divorced, so you're going to go ahead and give this. And God says in there, by the way, they ask you to give their children $300 a month per child. Why don't you look and see if there's a need for your children to have five or $600 a month and give that which is over and above what they're asking. This is what he's talking about. This is the things he's talking about. If you're being sued before you go to court, what are they wanting for, the, for, for suing you for something was hurt? Find what is just there, not just what you maybe can get away with and say, God, you're my supplier. You're the God that knows their heart. And so therefore, I'm willing to go ahead and settle this by giving them way more than they're asking. Now you want to write it down and say this is the formula. No, it's not. Because they might go ahead and say, no, don't do a thing. Take, take him to court and let him go ahead and de- let the court decide. I don't know. I was telling uh, Nick, my son, for those of you that uh, uh, have been here, he's one of the guys that preaches up here. And uh, he doesn't like this passage very well. And he was glad I got it. And he said, I don't know, I, I, you don't just let people get by with things. And he said, they can hurt people. And he said, there's a lot of times when you're going to say, turn the other cheek. And he said, sometimes I think they just need to be laid flat and they won't do it again. <laughs> and, uh, and I think there may be a time for that. <clears throat> there may be a time for that. I remember uh, when I, uh, my kids were all in school and Jess, my oldest son, would come home from school. And I found that he was coming home from school without his books. And a lot of times without his lunchbox. And I said, well, what's the deal? He wouldn't say anything. And finally, he says, well, there's a kid that waits for me after school, and he takes my lunchbox, and he takes my stuff. And I said, how long has this been going on? He said, well, that's why I've I've lost three lunchboxes. Well, let's just read the Bible. If he asks you for this, give him your shirt as well. Let's bring two lunchboxes. Uh, That was not my suggestion. I sat with him in prayer. We talked about it, and I said, You know, this, uh, this God, we're going to have to let this, we have the option of bringing a couple lunch boxes. We have another option, too. I said, Let's go ahead and let's practice. Is he a little bigger than you? And he said, Yes, he is. And I said, Well, let's practice. So here's your deal. So I want you, I'm going to be him, and I want you to really learn how to swing that and just really, really swing it. And if I come to get it, you let me have it. He had his lunch boxes from then on. And so you say, well, if the kid gets pushed, that's what you're supposed to do. No, that's what we did. There's probably other times. My, uh, Nick said one time, he said, I, I don't like it, but you said one time when something was happening like that and I was going to punch him. And you said, how about if we don't return insult for insult, but let's give a blessing instead to this kid. And he, and Dad, and he said, Dad, I hate to admit this, but I remember it impacted my life strongly because I did it and the guy wanted to be my friend. So do we do that every time? No. Are you getting? There is no formula here. He's saying, your love, if I live in you, can look so radically different, it will turn this world upside down. They will look at you and marvel say, where does this power come from? So I, I think that if we can go ahead and look at this we can see that all right what are some of the guidelines what are some of the things that it might look like first of all Romans 12 17 through 21 says this Romans 12 17 through 21 never pay back evil for evil to anyone respect what's right in the sight of all men if possible so far as it depends on you be at peace with all men Never take your own revenge, beloved. Leave room for the wrath of God. If it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you might heap burning coals on his head. So do not overcome evil by overcoming evil, but overcome evil with good. Number one, God is the judge, not you. You can't even see what's going on, you may not even know what took place and because we are so limited in our finite minds that they may be doing something from their own perspective just like when he was on the cross and they people began to go ahead and say things and he says no father forgive them they have no idea what they're doing that wasn't what he said every time when they did stuff remember but this time he said forgive them for God is your judge, remember that. That's one of the things that you can know. God's the judge, not me. God sees accurately, not me. Second thing, Jesus gave you the example. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter Peter 2, verses 20 through 23, or actually through 25 says, For what credit is there if when you sin and you're harshly treated, you endure it? With patience, But what if when you do what's right, and now you're suffering for it, and you patiently endure it, this is going to find favor with God, for you have been called for this very purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, left you an example to follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was there ever any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return, while suffering, he uttered no threats but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. So number one, he's an example. He didn't retaliate, he trusted himself to God. But the example that I think he's also implying here, if you'll read the whole passage of Scripture, is the example was, he went to the Father and trusted himself to the Father and said, Father, what do you want to do? If you've read the rest of the book, Next time he comes, he doesn't come as a little baby. He comes in all-out war. He will set right what is wrong. He will be just when he comes. And I would want to be on his side. Okay. So, how do I know what to do? I guess you better ask the Father, what do I do? Because It's wide open to many different situations. People harm you and they they want your coat. Well, not very many today come and ask you for your shirt. But they may ask you for some things that are yours. They may ask you for something, especially in terms of even not only your your physical possessions. They may ask for a lot of things. Maybe they ask for your lawnmower, your, your new riding lawnmower. And you just got it, and you're a little nervous. I remember when I lived right over here, and I had a lot of grass, and I got a new lawnmower, and I was so tickled. And uh, somebody borrowed the lawnmower, and the first day hit a stone and just bent the blade. So what do I do? This is where this comes into action. I can go ahead and say, you took that. you Might have thought you were doing a service, but you bent the blade. I'd like you to replace the blade. And I'm not saying that would be wrong. Or you go ahead and say, I thank you for taking it. And even on your own initiative, trying to mow the lawn, here's some money for doing that for you. For us. Any any of those sound odd? And this is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. Sometimes... You just maybe aren't obedient, and you're not silent enough. I shared the first service in illustration, and actually I didn't know my wife was here at the first service, and so I used her in the illustration. Uh, I did ask, did I get the story right? She goes, you know my memory. I have no idea. I don't remember anything. So, but what happened one day, is uh, I don't know why she ended up driving, but she picked me up, and she was driving, and I remember we were driving down, we had an old Bonneville car, and we were driving down the hill from Rimrock, and it was, well, my anniversary was 44 years ago yesterday, so it was two years into it, so about 43 years ago, 42 years ago. We're driving down the road, and some guy comes barreling up, and she might have, I don't know, she might have pulled in front of him, Uh, but he blared on the horn, and blare, 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 and he got right on her tail like this, and then he went around her, and he rolled down his window, and he yelled out quite the profanity towards my wife. And I remember thinking at the time, what should I do? I'll have to tell you this today. There are very few times that I have ever regretted not chasing somebody down and giving them what they deserve. I I didn't do anything. I said, let's go ahead and let him go. Let him get away. Let's not do anything. It haunted me for a while. And I said, God, did I ever really quiet myself before you? Because I can use this and I can say, boy, I was godly. I, I turned the other cheek. But that wasn't my cheek. It was my wife's. I said, I don't know how that would have ended, but I to this day wished I would have followed him down and waited for him to get out of his car. To protect my wife, to let her know, nobody talks to you that way. Now, was that wrong? Was it right? I can't tell you other than the conviction in my soul was, it's not quite what I ask you to do, just to be still. I wasn't packing at the time. (laughs) I don't know what it was. So let's walk through the rest of the few things you know what to do. God is judge. Jesus is your example. And remember, it's it's your cheek, not somebody else's cheek that you're offering. And then refuse to multiply evil. Make sure that you have somebody else help you what is a fair transaction. So you don't try to go beyond and make them hurt way worse than they hurt you. He says, don't multiply evil. Next one, return a blessing instead. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. My first suggestion is try to go ahead and be at peace, extend forgiveness, and then maybe give a blessing instead. I don't know if they continue to retaliate, then there might be something that God is going to ask you to do elsewhere. I don't know that. Return a blessing. Next one, respect God's ordained authority. And that means that if something is a, a difficult situation and you go to court, whatever that court decides, take it as un, from God, as from God. You might say that's not fair. You don't know what's fair. God does. So respect whatever it is that He gives. And a matter of fact, sometimes it says, even if it's going ahead and it looks like it's not fair but it's favoring me, then I want to go to the person that that sued me and didn't get what they deserved. I want to give them more than what they deserve. I want to be willing to do that. Father, how much do you want to satisfy them? They have a need that maybe it's beyond what they could come up with. So, therefore, submit yourself to the authority. If there's abuse going inside your home, if there's stuff going on where you're physically being abused, the Scripture says that is a Violation of the law. That's a crime. It has to be reported. You're not not turning the other cheek. If you don't report it, you're violating your authority that God's put over you. Also entrust yourself to people you entrust even in the church where they can help decide between different people matters. I've had this happen in my life a lot where people were just, they couldn't decide. They were as far east as west making decisions. And they said, would you and another person come in and help make a decision for us? I said, on one condition, whatever we make, you both receive it as a gift from God. If it doesn't look favorable, then you receive it. If you're not willing to do that, I'm not willing to stand in that place. That's what it asks us to do. So respect the authority. Romans 13, 3 through 4 says that. Next thing is extend forgiveness at all circumstances when you've been offended. Make sure you do that first. Ephesians 4 says that... uh, Let me read this to you. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as Christ also forgave you when you were against him. And the last thing we end on is what we said the nugget was there is no formula. It gives you what it can look like. If we will pay attention to the heart of the matter here and not the outward appearance of the legal law that was written, we can go ahead and say, God, what do you want this to look like in me? As you look through me, what can it look like in every situation? In your home, when you're going ahead and slapped in the face, not physically necessarily, but there's things your spouse does, what do you want it to look like? She didn't show up when she was supposed to show up. What do you want it to look like? He didn't stop by for dinner. He forgot my anniversary. What do you want it to look like? And I can't tell you the answer. Every single time it's not gonna be, other than I do know this, it's gonna say extend forgiveness, do what you can to be at peace with all people, now get quiet with God, alone with God, and say what do you want to do? So that I don't continue to encourage and enable certain behaviors in sin, or to the place where I say, you know what, God, it's just not that big a deal, and I'm willing to go on. As I go ahead and pray, Tom's going to come up. Tom, uh, God gave him a song, just almost supernaturally, just bang, and it was there. And I think the song's appropriate for the words that we're talking about. And so as he does a song, let that song be your prayer as he sings.